With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, right to go Kudrop. Score! Patrick Kudrop! Some more news came out yesterday that we made lead with today. It's a Friday. It's Power Lunch. I'm Greg Linelli. My partner in crime is Eric Erlinson. He, he is with us right now. We've got a good show planned for you today. Could be a great show, depending on your mood. Braden Coburn will stop by, and we'll talk to him about what it's like living in these times as an athlete in the video that he was in with Alex Kalorn, which really, E, as I bring in, went viral yesterday. It was pretty incredible. Well done. Well done by the Lightning. As, as a famous line from another movie once said, that escalated fast because it really <laughs> did. Like it you're did. seeing Keenan Thompson be involved in it, and yeah. you know the the homage to the Mighty Ducks at the end of that video, and that thing took off like wildfire. It was it was fun to see, and uh, you know we we could all use a little fun uh, here now two plus months into the situation. Yeah, so we're here from Kobe, and uh, that'll be uh, good hockey talk for you. We're also gonna play our interview we did with Linda Cohn earlier in the week. Had a lot of positive feedback regarding that interview so we'll make sure you hear that again if you missed it that was on tuesday and we've got some nuggets of uh, good stories here that we want to get into let's first start with some news from tsn hockey insider pierre lebrun yesterday and he reported that the national hockey league players association confirmed yesterday that phase three or training camp will not begin until at least July 10th. He says that means if players get between three and four weeks in camp as expected, teams would not return to playing games until August at the earliest. Yeah, I think we've kind of believed that was going to be the case, that it's going to happen in August when these games come back. I think maybe there was some hope that the end of July that could possibly happen, but it really does seem like once the league gets into the schedule here, we're talking August into September. And into October. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, if, if, the, if the league wants to squeeze all this stuff into a, a, a reported 60-day window to go from the first play-in round to the final of, of the Stanley Cup final, um, that's a tight window to fit it into and still try and keep a – Somewhat normal off season. I've been told anywhere from six to eight weeks potentially as an off season to conduct the league business, including the draft and free agency and, and all that that would need to take place before the 2020-21 season would begin. We've heard, you know, Gary Bettman said that uh, it, it would not be out of the realm of possibility to think about the Winter Classic as the kickoff to the season. That's on January one. So again, you kind of pushing these date backs these dates back it still doesn't take them necessarily out of the timeline that they sort of have in their mind um, but it, it is a it's a fluid situation we know that there's a lot of levels that the deal uh, the league is working with on on many many aspects of this return to play plan um, the Canadian government maybe there's something involved with that maybe that's why there's the pushback um, you know I think the self-quarantine for anybody coming into Canada remains in place I think through at least the uh, third week of June so does that factor into that so there's just a lot of interesting things to kind of keep in mind as whatever this timeline that the league has in mind works out going forward uh, this date might be pushed back again it wouldn't surprise me what I find interesting is next year when the league starts, let's assume it's December or possibly January. E, do we have an 82-game regular season, or do you think they're going to have to shorten that? I think you can still have an 82-game season because, you know, the commissioner had talked about potentially a permanent pushback to the start of their season beginning for the 21-22 season. So does that mean they start their year in November? If that's the case, you can find a way to fit an 82-game schedule into the 2021 calendar. Uh, you know, maybe your Stanley Cup final is in July. 
uh, instead of June, if you're pushing back the start of the regular season a month. I, I think that that's something that they could uh, find a way to work out. And, and let's face it, if, if they can play an 82-game season, uh, especially with fans in the stands, I think that's going to be something that they need to do to kind of recoup and try to get the business back on track. Yep, and as we know, the almighty dollar is uh, first and foremost with a lot of these decisions. So uh, interesting times, but we wanted to bring you that news right off the bat here on Power Lunch. Hit us up on Twitter, at Greg Linelli, at Eric underscore Erlinson. You also sent me a, a tweet yesterday that I thought was uh, pretty interesting. It, it got some good feedback, and I guess it stems from the Danish League uh, looking to fill the stands with virtual pictures of fans watching via Zoom. We all know about Zoom doing these these conference calls with players. People do it now every day working from home. What did you make of that story? Because we've we've gotten some feedback, and I think for the most part, people actually kind of like it. Yeah, first of all, we found out that Zoom is not that cheesy PBS show from the early 80s, which you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, mm. But look it up. Look it up. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, interesting. You know, we, we've talked about different ways that these leagues can come back. Uh, there's a, a team in the German league that is, you know, if you pay $20, you can have a cutout of yourself put into the stands and, you know, wherever your season ticket might be, that where the, the cutout would be located. We've seen some of the German games with nobody in the stands. We've seen banner ads maybe in the stands. But this is an interesting concept. And, uh, you know, if anybody follows Stu Holden on Twitter, that's where I found this picture. Uh, very interesting. It kind of keeps the, the players, uh, gives them something to look at. I wonder if the background noise of the crowd would be filtered in. I didn't get a clear understanding if that's the case. But uh, unique concept to kind of give some sort of a fan experience, I think, for both the players and the fans. Yeah, and I, I still think that's going to be maybe the biggest hurdle these teams face because I just feel like you feed off of the emotion of the crowd so much. You have to have some sort of atmosphere, I think, especially in these playoff games and in the Stanley Cup final. And that's why I think it's interesting that Gary Bettman kind of uh, kept the door open in terms of fans possibly uh, coming to these games at some point. And I think we started to see some other sports leagues possibly hint at fans in the stands. Didn't we see that uh, yesterday? Yeah, so the Texas governor came out and said that not only does he believe that the canceled NASCAR race uh, will be rescheduled for a little bit later on in the summer, he believes that by the time it gets there that they might be able to have 25% attendance in the fan in the stands. Now, that's an outdoor venue, and we know, as we've talked about on the show before, that the, the science believes that the heat and everything else kind of neutralizes this virus in some ways. So that'll be interesting to see if it comes to fruition and kind of feeds into something you had brought up yesterday and talked about a little bit about Gary Bettman leaving that window, that door open, if you will, down the line, maybe even the Stanley Cup final when we get to an August or a September, whenever they might be able to play, maybe even in October, then maybe you could have some form of fans in the stands, maybe not a full building, probably not, but at least that window is open to potentially have that in your mind of having people inside the building. Yeah, and uh, if the NHL can find a way to do it um, and everybody can be safe from it, do it. Uh, because I think that gives people hope, especially heading into the regular season, that we can start to see people in crowded arenas. I don't know if it'll be to full capacity. Probably not. Maybe by the end of the year, you're operating at 50%, possibly. But 50% capacity is better than 0%, and I think the players probably would appreciate it. But again, we have to uh, wait to see what some of these charts indicate and where the virus is spreading, if at all, at this point um, in a few months. But I think in some ways encouraging to see some of these sports leagues start to open up a bit because I think it's good news all the way around. Uh, lastly, before we get to Braden Coburn in our next segment, who uh, he'll be waiting patiently here in just a little bit, you brought up something to us in our pre-show meeting uh, along with Steve Ersnick that I thought was a, a really interesting topic locally, and that had to deal with rosters being set for this stretch run and how teams are going to have some tough decisions to make, specifically a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Yeah, so we're still not clear on what the roster limit is going to be. If there's a roster limit, I know Elliot Friedman had reported that 28 skaters and unlimited goalies was part of this internal memo, is not part of what the league announced publicly. Uh, so if that's the case, and you have to pick 28 skaters, now this doesn't include Andre Vasilevsky, Curtis McElhaney, Scott Wedwood, who will for sure be part of this group that goes to whatever hub city. But if you're talking only 28 skaters, now remember... The Lightning, when things went on pause, had nine goalies, or nine defensemen, rather, on their roster because you added Zach Bogosian right at the uh, right before the trade deadline as a free agent. So that gave you nine defensemen. And they were carrying 14 forwards because Steven Stamkos was injured. They brought back up Mitchell Stevens. So that gives you 22 players right there. 23 players, excuse me. My math is usual, not on point. But that only gives you five additional players that you're going to take. Who do you take? You know, are you gonna? How many defensemen do you need? Do you have? It's probably going to be an even number. So, do you only take one additional defenseman to make it ten? Do you take three more to make it even at twelve and give you six pairs of defensemen? Do you need the extra forwards? Uh, the other thing that's not answered yet is: Can you change your roster from round to round? Are you able to bring players in and out from that roster? That'll be interesting too. But trying to figure out who the extra five skaters you might take, not as easy as you would have thought. There's going to be some pretty good players in this system that are not going to be part yeah. of this roster that they take to whatever hub city they get uh, assigned to. Right. I mean, do you take experience? Do you take veterans? Or do you take some uh, younger players that can gain some experience? I don't know. I think it's a good problem to have. I mean, right off the top of my head, I was immediately thinking Matthew Joseph. Yep. I felt like Cameron Gauntz is probably a guy that would uh, make his presence known from that standpoint. I think you can make a strong case. A, a Corey Conacher or Luke Witkowski uh, would be part of that because of their NHL experience and their veteran guys. And then maybe you sprinkle in another younger player, whether it's a Volkov or Barry Boulay. I think it's a really interesting question. I think um, the Conacher scenario isn't as cut as dry because there are some health issues there, right? Yeah, we know that this uh, this virus uh, tends to make people with diabetes a little bit more susceptible to the virus. And we know that Corey Conacher, along with uh, Max Domi uh, in Montreal, this has also been brought up, but he, they both have uh, type 1 diabetes, which makes them maybe a little more susceptible to this than others. I know the Canadians have come out right and said if, if Domi's not comfortable playing, they're not going to you know force him to do it, of course. So let him make up his own mind there. But, yeah, it's not cut and dry with a guy like Conacher. And then you start to think, okay, um, you know, you have younger players that have really had good second halves of the year. I think of a Taylor Radish, and, you know, we, we had uh, Stacy Roost on the show way back, geez, it seems like years ago, um, talking about him and how he's come along, and he's um, yeah. brought his name up quite a bit in the conversations I had with him during uh, the season. You know, uh, a guy like Boris Kachuk, you know, he's going to be left out. And, you know, now you're looking at these potentially players not having any sort of on-ice uh, direction for, you know, six, seven months whenever, you know, things start to come around again. Yeah, and it's a good problem to have for sure. And one of the things we talked about, you're, you're going to have a lot of uh, these teams healthy at the right time. So hopefully you don't have to dip to your reserves, but certainly it's something that all teams are going to have to be cognizant of and uh, Tampa Bay, no exception. All right, E, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Braden Coburn is waiting on the line patiently. We'll talk to Kobe about what he's been up to during this pause in the action and so much to get to with him. It's good to uh, catch up with some of the Lightning players as well. So we have that. And then remember Linda Cohn to end the show. But Kobe's up next right here on the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch with Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linelli, and we are pleased right now to be joined by Lightning defenseman Braden Coburn. And uh, Braden, uh, it's been a couple of uh, weeks here since we caught up with you on the Zoom call. How how have things been uh, with the family and everything since we last talked? It's been good. Uh, school's wound down now, and uh, we're just uh, enjoying um, enjoying a little bit more time together. <laughs> on top of the time that we've already spent together, but it's been good. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best uh, just like everybody. And, and, you know, we're lucky enough that we live in such a great place like Tampa. And 
Yeah, so Kobe, it's it, let's just get right into the the 2014 format. Just how nice is it now to kind of have as an athlete something to kind of look forward to, train towards, uh, an idea in mind of what you need to be ready and when you need to be ready for it. Yeah, well, I think first off, you you just got to appreciate all the hard work that's already kind of gone in. I know um, that return to play for, uh, committee has been, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they've had endless calls and, and uh, get-togethers and, and just spitballing ideas all over the place and different things that were going to work and not work. And um, and I understand there's still a lot of work to be done, but um, I think they came up with something they thought was uh, gave everybody that was uh, had a chance. Um, a chance and, and uh, kind of actually a neat uh, neat format and, and I think something that will be you know a lot of fun and and uh, you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a grind and it's going to be a tough Stanley Cup to win. Uh, Kobe, you bring up a good point because it, it feels like the league, for the most part, got it right. Now a lot remains to be seen how this all plays out, but it, it seems like they took all the concerns of the players for the most part. You're not going to please everybody, but. I think they've done a pretty good job of, of trying to navigate through these uh, crazy times. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. It's You're not going to please everybody. It's not going to make everyone uh, 100% uh, satisfied, and, and I get that. And and some of the things are, you know, it's, it's not fair, and it's uh, it does, you know, suck if you're in that five, six spot. But, um, you know, this is, this is how it is, and, and I think – you know, that makes it just that much more of a challenge and, and exciting uh, when we do get back playing. And, and just the fact that, you know, when we do our hit, uh, when we hit the ice, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to go from zero to a hundred really quick. And I think that'll just be very exciting. And the fact that teams will be completely healthy and, and you really get a sense for uh, how fast a, a team can bond and what kind of chemistry teams really truly have without the grind of 82 uh, games and all that coaching that went into place for the whole regular season. So you're going to see some exciting hockey. I, I know that for a fact. Kobe, you, you mentioned that this might end up being the hardest thing to win. You've been to a couple of Stanley Cup finals, both with the Flyers and, of course, with the Lightning back in 2015. But when you kind of map this out, and a lot of people are saying, well, maybe there needs to be an asterisk next to it because of everything that's gone on. But I, this might be the most competitive playoff situation that we have ever seen because everybody's in the same situation. Everybody's been off for the same amount of time, and everybody's going to be training and getting back the same way, and everybody's going to be healthy, and that includes your team uh, with a couple of guys who were banged up near their paws. So when you kind of evaluate it that way, how tough is this tournament going to be to win? Anytime you're going head-to-head -head with another team in, in a, in a seven-game series, um, you know, that's – there, there's there's no substitute for that competitive nature and the fact that uh, you know especially in our team I know any guy that I've ever played with has always been a super competitive guy you don't get to this level without being um, that way in nature and it's you know it's when it's you win or go home um, you know you, you get you get some really really competitive people and you get some great hockey and and the you know I was I was thinking about it and talking with one of uh, one of my teammates today on the phone, and, and we're just like, it's going to be guys are going to want to win this just as bad as they want to win a regular, uh, uh, you know, a, a normal kind of circumstance here, and you know that's that's the beauty of playoffs is it's one team against another, and it's a measuring stick. You win four games, you're the better team, and that's uh, that's I think that's just a great way to do it. Braden Coburn joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Kobe, is is there a challenge mentally now to try and get focused on the season resuming? You're still not with your teammates. It's going to be a gradual process mentally from being on pause to now thinking there's going to be hockey. Is that a challenge at all mentally to get into the, the season here? I don't think so. I think everyone's kind of been in this limbo mode anyway. Um, you know, I know I've and everybody's different. Um, you know, let me, let me put that first. Is I know everybody's different. Some guys were able to kind of check out right away and, and kind of just uh, let themselves uh, heal up and, and just mentally take a break from it. Other guys have stayed engaged and kind of they're always on, and, and that's just their personality. And, and But I think once you get into like this sort of uh, um, phase two training with uh, the protocols they've put in place and a training camp, it, the, the mentality and, and you start inserting the coaches into it and, and strategies and all that kind of stuff after guys have gotten themselves into a position to be conditioned and ready to go. 
um, it, the, the, the old engine and the brain turns on pretty quick, um, <laughs> just because you, you know, what's at stake. All right, Kobe, we saw the video that, uh, the team released, uh, through Alex Kalorn that, uh, you were part of the boys are back in town. First of all, uh, you were chopping some wood in that video. Is that part of your training regiment? And, uh, secondly, how fun was that kind of put together? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish, uh, there's not much wood here to chop, but, uh, <laughs> well, I think we had to bring that in, but, uh, I thought it was such a well done thing. They, it was, it was a lot of fun to do and, and killer. He, uh, he did such a great job. He put that together. We, we were, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago we were golfing and he was kind of spitballing around the idea and, and telling us about it. And, and everyone that was with us thought it was just, it would be funny and great. And he, uh, he did a great job and i think the people that uh you know there was a drone expert and uh and gabe was in there cutting video and and that was i thought it was just uh phenomenal that uh they were able to put that together i think this thing is so funny i, I loved i loved the part That's with Anthony Sorelli serving drinks uh at a restaurant and, and then <laughs> i just i couldn't stop laughing when i saw that it was just i was like i I just, I was, I just wish I would have seen that in person because uh, we kind of all filmed the, our other parts. Uh, I was in a different, I was on a different side of the bay when he was doing that one. Um, mm. <laughs> it's just, I thought it was just so funny, but it was great. He did a great job. Well, it's, it's a way for you guys to kind of keep in touch, right? And, and keep that bonding going during a, a crazy time. Even something as, as little as that, right, Kobe? yeah uh, yeah it was you know it was really fun just to you know some of the guys i you know I, i'd seen um vassy around a little bit i hadn't seen cerny that much um so yeah. just to kind of and you know what to be honest with you that was the second time i've ever been on a jet ski so i actually had a lot of fun just cruising around on a jet ski and uh kind of trying that out and uh whipping around so that was uh that was, I, I came home after that and i told my wife i was like man i don't know if we may we might have to get a jet ski that was a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're just helping uh killer there get uh, his uh, uh his uh, sponsorship with Sea-Doo. that's all you're doing there right <laughs> yeah that's okay he, you know he's, he does a great job with his social media stuff and and uh you know it's something he he's really good at and enjoys doing and you know it's that's not I, i'm always just happy that, to be part of it and, and uh that he asked me to, to play my, my lumberjack part. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how about that? It's one of the things that uh, we've kind of seen uh, around the league during this situation with the way that we've been able to interact with you guys. The personalities come out. Like Alex Kalorn is a funny guy. I don't think we see it from a media standpoint enough. Maybe he doesn't come across uh, as much. But you're starting to see that with his personality. How much is that? Can can that help you know the league when you kind of get your 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 team's personalities, your teammates' personalities out there like that? Yeah, I think that's very individual. Uh, you know, Killers feels very comfortable doing that, and he's good at it. Um, he, he's he's uh, he's able to put out, I guess, as he says, uh, content. I always get a kick out of that <laughs> when he says that. But uh, um, you know, it's, and certain guys are are you know we have some some of the best guys in our game, and, and guys with great personalities, and and it's not a you know in hockey in general sometimes it's uh, you know. You don't see that as much because it's it is a such a I guess a kind of kind of like a battle sometimes just to play and, and you, you don't want to be seen as a, a you know one way or the other I guess um, and the guys are such team guys but you know I've seen a couple of things with a couple of guys during the, around the league that uh, I think have been pretty funny and they've done a great job with and um, you know Killer's one of those guys on our team that's uh, really funny and, and we got a bunch of them you know. And, you guys know you guys have been in the locker room these guys are uh, their personalities for sure <laughs> i'm looking at the video now anthony sorelli rocco <laughs> that, <that's laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah rocco yeah it's one of his nicknames here so yeah it's, it was that's they did tremendous. a good job i didn't know the nickname part was going to be on it so that's great that's good stuff um you know it's interesting kobe when you talk about um play resuming i'm, I'm curious what do you think legitimately will be the biggest maybe obstacle for the players coming back. You know, we in the media and fans, we can talk about ice conditions, maybe conditioning. I, I actually think uh, I'd love to get your perspective, having no fans in the stands during playoff time, how that's going to be an adjustment. But is there one that for you is a legitimate uh, issue outside of obviously staying safe and, and taking the right protocols? 
Right. Well, I'll touch a little bit on each one of those things. I think guys are going to be, you know, guys are pros. They're going to be able to get themselves ready and conditioned. I'm not too worried about that. Um, the coaches are going to make sure that uh, our team game kind of gets to a certain point and, and the systems and all that kind of stuff will we'll hammer the heck out of video and, and, and all that. It will be different uh, playing with no fans, and I don't know if they're going to, you know, have the PA system, you know, blaring or, or what kind of uh, crowd effect. Uh, I know there's been some things in Germany and, and Korea where I've had, like, posters of people in the stands and you can pay to have 20 bucks and have your cutout put in the stands and <laughs> all kinds of crazy ideas like that. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, but for me, I think the biggest obstacle is going to be that we're going to be, um, you know, these games are going to come quick and they're going to be in a short period of time and playoffs, you know, unlike future, uh, unlike uh, games in the past in a normal year, we're going to be playing a lot of back-to-back and some back-to-back playoff games. And that adds a whole new challenge uh, in the fact that, you know, these games are, are intense. You don't have that extra day of rest. Uh, the coaches don't have time to implement uh, um, a bunch of changes or strategy or, or whatever you need to do. And I think that's going to be one of those things that's going to make this playoff special, and, and, but, but challenging at the same part. Uh, just the grind it's going to be. Brayden Coburn joins us here on Power Lunch. And, Kobe, how much do you think, because so much of this team has been together for so long, you've had some new faces come in here and there, but since you joined the team in 2015, a lot of you have been together. How much do you think that can help when you do get back? Because you know each other so well. you played together uh, with each other so long that – you know, getting the systems back and getting the feel back and getting the chemistry back, maybe that can help you guys maybe a little bit more than maybe uh, a couple other teams. Yeah, I hope so. You know, there's there's a couple teams around the league that have had their cores around for a while. and, and But, you know, I think honestly, uh, good players pick up systems and pick up uh, conditioning and, and know how to play. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of great players. And that's the advantage, uh, you know. You can have great chemistry, but without great players and great talent, it's it's it can be tough. And I think uh, you know we got a talented uh, coaching staff that will get us ready and ready to go and primed and and focused on what we need to do. But uh, we're very fortunate to have the talent in the room that we do. It's going to be exciting to see at some point, depending on what the league does. Hopefully, you know the Lightning are participating in the Stanley Cup Finals, Kobe, and you've got fans in the stands. I think that would be pretty cool. They they've certainly left that door open, and if things continue to progress the way it is with this virus, that who knows? Maybe uh, maybe fans in the stands will happen at some point. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm just like you guys. I've heard some rumblings about that. I don't know uh, what timeline that would be on, or, or you know, it's there's so many unknown variables. But you know, that would be awesome. You know, I think everybody dreams about uh when they dream about hoisting the cup of having family and friends around them and uh just the the whole experience of that uh if that happens great if it doesn't you know that's you're still uh you're still hoisting the cup and i think uh and that's just a special as well all right, Kobe, last question for me. Uh, we know you've kind of had to be inventive a little bit with some of your workouts here during this time off. Is anything different that you've done, anything new that you've found that works for yourself maybe that you wouldn't have thought uh, in terms of trying to keep yourself in shape? Um, you know, there's not too much. Uh, there's a couple things. You know, I, when I was in Philly, I played. I got a, had a great opportunity to play one year with the Armour Yager. And Jörn Ryager, you know, he had a lot of creative workouts and he was a lot about uh, um, putting ankle weights on and, and he would uh, do lots of kind of little jumps and, and he would put big, huge weights on his stick and he would do kind of all kinds of like stick handling things with his stick. But the one day I, I went into the room uh, and we had uh, we had two inset, uh, in-ground uh, hot tub, a hot tub and a cold tub. And I came in early one day. And I heard this water just going woof, woof, back and forth in the hot tub. And I went in there and Yogs was in there with a stick and he was like taking slap shots under the water with a stick and the water was just going everywhere. <laughs> so I've been, uh, I've been taking my stick in the pool a little bit and kind of shooting back and forth and it works your core great. And I thought it was just a great idea. And uh, when he was doing it, so I've kind of stole that uh, from him a little bit, but he can he had all kinds of ideas like that. It was, it was funny. And, and, uh, but you know, that's one, that's one that comes to mind right away. 
Last question for me on, on that note, uh, Kobe, is is he kind of the, the most freakish athlete you've seen in terms of just being able to be productive for that long? I mean, you played with a lot of great players. You keep yourself in great shape, hopefully play in a few more years. But what he was able to do, and I think he is still playing um, overseas still, is, is he somebody that you just kind of look at and say, That's, that guy's just different? Yeah, I think uh, he had so many, um, you know, obviously, one of, one of the best players ever. Um and he was such a big guy, you know, big ass and huge legs. And he had this basin that he had. He was able to generate so much power and stability from. And, and he worked hard. And, and, he, and the thing about Yogs is that he just absolutely loves hockey. Um, you know, it's been it's been his sole focus for his whole life. And, and I think that passion has just kept him going. And, and he does a lot of um, unorthodox things and stuff that uh, – I had never seen before, and, and everyone always says that he's like a gym rat. But he kind of made up his own workouts, and it wasn't in a very—it wasn't in a traditional sense. It was kind of like his own thing. So, um, but pleasure to be around, and he was a great teammate. And I was, like I said, it was a the the chance that I got to play with uh, one of these guys that I looked up to growing up was it was a special uh, special year for me. Well, good stuff, Kobe. We appreciate your time here and. Um... Stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you at the rink. Don't know if that'll be in person or you know, how it's going to look when, right. whenever play resumes, but uh, it'll be fun uh, covering hockey, and I'm sure for you playing hockey again, and uh, we appreciate your time. No, guys, appreciate the talk, and uh, glad to hear you guys are well, and, and uh, okay. looking forward to it when we, we get to meet up again. Yep, thanks, Kobe. Really appreciate it. Be well. Okay, guys. Awesome, guys. Take care. All right, there he goes. Braden Coburn joining us, E, and um, it's been nice to talk to a couple of lighting players back-to-back -back days here to uh, get their mindset and, and where they are. You know, Kobe's a no-nonsense guy, as you know. I don't think he's going to make too many excuses. I feel like when you listen to him talk, he understands, look, we got to get back, and everybody's in the same boat, and uh, we're professionals, and we'll figure this out. Yeah, like, like I've said, I, I think once the competitive juices start to kick in for these guys, it's it's going to be like normal now. Uh, to his point about the potential back-to-back -back games, you've heard that back-to-back -back playoff games. They're rare. Yeah. They don't happen very often. I've, I've covered one or two in my day. I remember back in 2015, back-to-back um, -back home games. Remember Tyler Johnson's buzzer beater there as we've gone through these playoff rewinds uh, you know, that we've been replaying here and on 95.3. But you know, they had to turn around and play game four the next night. So they do happen on occasion, but... You know, in this say, in this sense, there's no traveling involved, so you don't have to get on a plane and, and deal with all that. Everybody's going to be in the same boat. But I, I do think that the competitive juices kick in pretty quick in these scenarios, and this is going to be a tough tournament to win. So all these people talk about, oh, there needs to be an asterisk on the season. Okay, fine. It's a different format. It's a different season. It's different in a lot of ways. But the competitiveness is not going to be, and this might be the most competitive playoff situation we might have seen in a long, long time. All right, hope you enjoyed that. We are going to play our Linda Cohn interview uh, from earlier this week. Of course, Linda, a legend at ESPN. She had a chance to uh, check in with us earlier in the week to talk about the league and where things stand, and we're going to replay, replay that interview for you when we return. He's Eric Erlinson. I am Greg Linnelli. It is the Power Lunch on Lenny Power Play. An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch with Greg Linnelli and Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. All right, we're back. Thanks to uh, Braden Coburn in that previous segment. Always fun to listen and talk to. The current Lightning Bunch and what they're up to. And uh, Kobe, one of the veterans and... Obviously excited to get back sooner rather than later. He's a professional. He'll be ready to go. And part of that deep back end for the Lightning that um, I think has really been solidified this year. The Lumberjack. Uh, e, we've got a, a special guest that we did uh, on Tuesday that we're going to replay for everybody. Linda Cohn coming up. Yeah, it was really nice of Linda to share some time with us here. Um, we turned her on to uh, Alex Kalorn and his social media 
uh, influencing that he's been yes. doing. So may who who knows? Maybe that'll turn into an ESPN story down the road. But it, it was great to chat with Linda and get some of her thoughts. She's a huge, obviously a huge sports fan. You know, you don't sit in that role on ESPN if you're not. But obviously a huge hockey fan, huge hockey supporter. Uh, she does the uh, in the crease stuff now on ESPN Plus. Uh, she actually did a workout with the Florida Panthers as a goaltender. Uh, so huge hockey fan. So it was great to get some of her thoughts on all of this. Let's get right to it. Linda Cohn from ESPN, who joined us earlier in the week, right here on Lightning Power Play. What was your reaction to this 2014 play-in the playoffs situation that the NHL has? Um, you know, and and what that might look like in obviously unprecedented times, but it's got some bite to it. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, it. it, it I, I didn't even blink when that proposal was out there. I'm like, let's go. Uh, you know. And, and, and the, who cares about the rest of the regular season? Sorry. And the reason yeah. why the number I like 24, because as you guys know, even though Tampa Bay, uh, a team that I picked to be in the Stanley Cup final this year, um, was sitting pretty. And they were one of the four uh, teams with a bye, a well-deserved. Um, I think it was important to have 24 because there were several teams, as you guys know, that were on the bubble and it really would been, would have been unfair since they, we could not finish the regular season to have them on the outside looking in. I prefer this much better. It also creates incredible buzz and I feel Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are not going to rush to do this without doing their due diligence, which they're doing now. The process is a slow one, maybe for some people, but we're into the so-called phase two. So probably, I believe, early June, June 1st, what everything I'm hearing is that, you know, um, six players at a time could be out on the ice uh, doing various things, non-contact, um, and start it. And with, there's about 29, there's a 29 pay, uh, uh, protocol, 29 things has to be done for even phase two to work. But uh, this is what we're looking at. it, And maybe then in July, we're going to get going. And teams like Tampa, I like, you know, it's really interesting. And I know you guys probably have gotten into this, but, you know, all the reports are that only two teams did not want this. And that one of those teams was Tampa Bay. The other was Carolina. Carolina in their first round matchup is set to face the New York Rangers, who they went 0-4 against during the regular season. Uh, and they, you know, obviously Carolina piled up a heck of a lot more points than the Rangers, but I'm sure deep down they felt this was unfair to them just being on the outside looking in of that four, top four. But, um, you know, Tampa, um, I get it. You know, they felt um, Alex Kalorn reading his quotes, as you guys know, talking about it wouldn't have been fair for t to go up against a team that played this best of five series, this play in round, which five through tw uh, 12 through, you know, the outside the top four would be having to play and they'll be, you know, red hot and all warmed up. So the round robin teams would reportedly play. Uh, the buy teams will reportedly play a round-robin tournament to get themselves round up. So bottom line is this. Everybody wants to play. There's no best-case scenario. It's great for the league to get going again, and I think that's most important for everyone involved. Linda, I'm, I'm curious. To me, it seems like that the sports workplaces are going to be some of the safest, safest places out there. Do you get that sense? No doubt people are going to have to be careful moving forward, but Boy, these athletes in any sport are going to have access to the best care in large part because owners need to protect their best assets. Do you feel like that's something that the players should feel a little bit more comfortable as they kind of ease their way into this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very good point. Um, because the way everything I'm seeing, and you guys are probably hearing and reading the same things, it's really going to be a type of a bubble atmosphere, right? You know, um, you know, team, uh, players that come over, obviously outside the United States um, from different countries, they're going to have to go into a 14-day self-quarantine situation before they even can um, share a uh, playing surface or a dressing room or an area with their teammates. But I feel if I was a member of the National Hockey League and if I was a player, I would feel good about you know just talking it out with my teammates and, and kind of getting as much Educate education they can and inform, you know, be informed so they can make a good decision and know there was no stress involved. So, um, of course, they know they're probably being taken care of the best. They probably will be, unlike, you know, here, us mere mortals 
who have to <laughs> kind of do things uh, with the uh, proper logistics. As always, professional athletes will always get that edge uh, and because there's so many more people, so many more uh, situations and things surrounding them that are involved here. And there's a lot of money involved here, too, uh, for the owners, for the league, and for the players who, by the way, do want to get paid. Linda Cohn from ESPN here joins us on Power Lunch. And Linda, how about from a the way we cover the sports sort of angle? Uh, what has the challenge has been for you guys at ESPN with no live sports now for two months? And how do you think it's going to look forward? Are things going to change in the way that we cover and follow the sports? Well, for, for the first part of your question, um, I, I think ESPN has been doing a great job. Um, you know, first in Bristol, Connecticut, the major hub of ESPN, for those who don't know, um, you know, sports centers, several sports centers, they've been going on and they have been creating content and they've been keeping all sports fans informed uh, and doing, you know, the best job they can possibly do. Um, as for programming, we all, you know, really sat down and watched uh, as a family or by yourself or with your friends not too many friends. Um, you know, The Last Dance, it was so great, got such great ratings. It was so well done. A fabulous documentary. So we probably, you know, and we're probably going to see more of that documentary type style programming, which we are with the fabulous 30 for 30s that ESPN does. Now, I'm based in Los Angeles. Our studios are not open yet. But, you know, I have no crystal ball, but I do believe that probably, you know, in a month, I wouldn't be surprised if they will be open. And I'm and I know for a fact, you know, there have been talks and meetings by higher ups right now to figure out the best protocol on how to open a studio like that. And, you know, you guys know this as well. You can't be in the same studio yourselves. You're, we're, you know, uh, broadcasting from different parts. I think we're all um, affected by that. And so as part of um, your second question regarding how we're going to cover sporting events, well, when these games do get underway, and they will get underway, whether it's in the NHL and the NFL or the NBA, Major League Baseball, we hope as well, um, you know, there will be no fans. And uh, there, I honestly believe there will be no media. And if there is media at in attendance, I believe there would be some pool situation. I don't know anything, but it's not going to be a situation where A, uh, Tons of media will be allowed at this event. Uh, if there is media allowed at this event, I would see, probably say a handful would be allowed and there would be a rotating type of situation and there would be a sharing of uh, material and content. Um, it just has to be this way. Um, and the rest of the media would have to cover the sporting events uh, from their couch, just like fans will have to watch their favorite teams from their couch. I mean, I know nothing, but that's what I think is the way we are going to uh, get back into the game in a very uh, methodical process of safety. Linda, I'm wondering, too, what the new norms will be long-term for all sports. I mean, short-term, we understand there's going to have to be some sacrifices, no fans in the stands, and certain social distancing. But do you get the sense that once this is put behind us and and I think in some ways people come to their senses a bit when they take a look at all the data and, and how much this virus is really affecting people. Um, do you think there's going to be major structural changes to how people go to games or view games? Or do you feel like at the end of the day, it's going to come back to normal, you know, whenever that is? I don't know when that is, but I do believe uh, we'll get back to uh, something close to what we had. Um, it's going to take time, not because of anything I know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. But I really hope people who are listening, and I'm thinking a lot of people are figuring it out now, that you really have to be educated and get your information uh, regarding this and everything else when you think about it. Uh, from different sources and balance that out and uh, and get it from people who know who may who sadly may be being censored right now. And I still don't get and I still don't understand how this pandemic could have been politicized. And this is this is probably to me besides the uh, horrific deaths, and the situations in nursing homes where most of these deaths have taken place, um, and also 
you know, where a lot of these people who have passed away, it's just so sad because of pre-existing illnesses and thus by being susceptible, having a, a poor immune system, uh, they were easily able to contract, sadly, COVID-19. And it was a death sentence for them. But for those who are looking to remain healthy, stay healthy, and protect their loved ones, especially their older loved ones, they I'm seeing now people are now educating themselves more than they were a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, three months ago. And that is a good sign. You know, Linda, you mentioned uh, earlier about the Lightning and where they're possibly headed this year, a team that's been so close to winning um, the Stanley Cup. They've had really a couple of heartbreaks the last couple of years, and of course we know what happened last year. Do you feel like this team uh, over the last few years has positioned themselves as well as anybody in the league in terms of fixing and figuring out the salary cap, getting high-end players signed to long-term deals, but you know, somewhat team-friendly deals, and then drafting and developing well. It just seems like it's a matter of time before this team does eventually get a Stanley Cup with this core group. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've always loved this core group. I've been all in. And yeah, last year was unfortunate, but that's what I was, to my earlier point about the Stanley Cup playoffs, how you just never know. But um, they were in a good situation. Um, it was a learning experience for them. And you see great teams who eventually win the Stanley Cup go through learning experiences, uh, certain core groups. You know, I'm old enough to remember before your time, back in the day, the Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky on that team. And I grew up on Long Island. And um, every year, the New York Islanders just would have Wayne Gretzky's number in the Edmonton Oilers. And I remember... Um, I think it was one of the, yeah, I forgot which one. It might have been the second Islander Stanley Cup or third. I can't, probably second or third that they won four in a row. They beat the, they beat Wayne Gretzky, probably the last one. They beat Wayne Gretzky and that's what it was, the fourth one. They beat Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers in the final and they did so easily. And it was like that core group, that amazing team, if you look back on that roster uh, back in the early 80s and see who was on that team along with Wayne Gretzky, you know. They had to go through and find out how to win and figure it out, how to win the ultimate prize. And they had to get their heads bashed in, not physically, but just in all aspects of the game by the New York Islanders. And they came back the following year and then finally, finally beat the Islanders and won the cup. And I really believe that's where the Tampa Bay Lightning were headed. They were, ha they were following that same type of path. They had the talent but they didn't know the intangible of what you have to do to win a Stanley Cup. And I think they were finding that out this season after what happened last year. And that's really the first thing that comes to mind when, the, when I think about how close the Tampa Bay Lightning are and what this incredible ownership has built. Uh, you know, I, just incredible mix of stars and talent, young players and veterans. Yeah, there's that famous story, right, of, of Gretzky walking by the Islanders' locker room. And Correct. The Islanders, rather than celebrating, they all had ice packs on their knees and everywhere, and he just kind of reflected and goes, wow, that's that's how hard they had to work to get that done. Maybe that's what we need to do. So uh, definitely some reflection uh, moments there, and I, and maybe last year was, was going to be that moment for Tampa Bay. Maybe we'll get that opportunity. Hopefully we'll get that opportunity uh, a little bit later on this summer and uh, we're just seeing by the way Gary Bettman is supposed to have a formal announcement at 4:30 exactly what the return to play elements are going to be so we'll all certainly tune in for for that later that's today. That's great. What, that's good. One of the things that that I've been wondering I don't we haven't really talked about it much on the show but how much do you think that this playoff is going to change maybe the way the game is played a little bit? Do you think that we'll see less scrums around the net that become so prominent in playoff play? Uh, I don't think you'd see anybody dropping the gloves in these situations. I mean, do you think in that aspect we might see a little bit of a different style of play from the players? Yeah, um, I don't want the game to change. I don't want the kind of play that we see in the Stanley Cup playoffs to change because of this. Um, I, you know, if I was a betting person, a serious betting person, um, I would... I would say it won't change. And by the way, we don't see a lot of fighting anyway in the Stanley Cup playoffs, nope. thank goodness. You know, um, I feel probably the officials uh, might be told maybe to break up the scrums a little quicker than normal. Um, I think that might be a situation. Um, and let's get on with the play. 
Um, but, you know, I feel that it would be, um, for, for me as a hockey fan, longtime hockey fan, be unfor- it would be unfortunate if the actual game, that style that we love so much, um, brute force and speed changes. I get the no high fives, but, you know, you can fist pump with your gloves on. You know, I mean, all that, but I do feel that the game will not change considerably. And that would be a great thing uh, because of this. Linda Cohn joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linnelli along with Eric Rollinson. And, you know, it's, it is going to be interesting when you talk about the parity in today's game. Every team, Linda, is going to be dealing uh, with the same circumstances, having been off the ice for a considerable amount of time. But also, too, what I find interesting is just about every team is going to be healthy. So while maybe the play early on could be choppy, we do have an opportunity to see some really good hockey maybe late in these playoffs because for the most part, teams are relatively healthy. Yeah, uh, relatively healthy and just, uh, you know, let's figure it out. I mean, a normal postseason, right, is usually two and a half months. It won't be as long this time. But um, if you just do the math, it, it they might, you know, mo- during the regular season, even though it's a different style of play, Um, you really start seeing that great kind of hockey in December and January. And that's really where we're we're looking at. But, yeah, I believe the teams will be rusty. I think the hockey will be kind of slow pace um, early on. Maybe that, you know, that that first round or the play-in round, that best of five, you know, first game or two. But, you know, it is what it is, you know. Um, I think – I think – I'm all for what we have never seen before, meaning whatever we get, I'll take because uh, I love the game so much, just like you guys, and I want to see it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm anxious to see what kind of games out there. But you're right. As I mentioned earlier as well, um, it's a level playing field. Everyone will be healthy. Um, and that's refreshing because, you know, you don't want to see your superstars uh, be half a sh- half of themselves, a shell of themselves when it matters most. And and you want you want the proper the um, not necessarily the most talented uh, team because some a lot of times that doesn't win the Stanley Cup. Just look at the winners of the President's Trophy compared to if they went on to win the Stanley Cup. That doesn't happen a lot. Um, you know, we would like, we, I'm just anxious to see whatever game it is. I'm ready for it. I want it to happen. And I'm really excited that uh, Commissioner Bettman is going to have this press conference and let everyone know instead of us speculating about it or hearing things. And let's get the show on the road. And we're also hearing, you know, from other sports, great things in the hard hit areas of New York and New Jersey that uh, their places, their stadiums, their arenas, and you think about the NFL season coming up, and it's a big one in Tampa. And full disclosure, even though I make it well known on Twitter at Linda Cohn that uh, I love Tom Brady, so I'm very excited for the Buccaneers season and what he will bring to that team. So, you know, we're starting to get that electricity and that buzz about the NFL um, as well as uh, stadiums and protocol and governors are you know, saying, let's, let's get this going. Let's get the phases going. And because bottom line, guys, it's money, you know, money, 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 money. And that's why when everyone has always asked me, you know, is this going to get going, whether it's in the NHL, NBA, you know, MLB, or of course, NFL, who makes the most dough, it's happening. You know, they're figuring it out. They're smart people running these leagues and we're going to see it. And we're going to see a product no matter what it is, and there's going to be haters out there who's like, oh, you know, I can't believe this. This is awful hockey, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to be one of me. Uh, well, uh, that's not going to be me. I'm going to love whatever they put on the ice, considering these amazing, challenging circumstances. And I will applaud it because it's really big for these players. Uh, even though they want to get paid, you know, health is first and foremost with not only them, but everyone involved. I'm curious, you know, through all of this, we've kind of seen, you know, the NHL players, their personalities come out a bit. Do you think that's something that the league should try and push a bit more to kind of see some of the, the real personalities in this game? And do you feel like the more we see it, you know, maybe the, the better the game will be off the ice? Yeah. You know, I've always thought that, I mean, um, personality, having personality, showing off personality, as long as it's genuine, not something created on social media, 
um, it's one thing doing, you know, when I mentioned like on Twitter, because those two, you know, getting on Twitter was a big deal when they each, when each did, when Tom Brady did, and now recently Eli Manning. Uh, but when you're, you know, on TikTok doing, you know, videos that you're rehearsing, uh, that doesn't do it for me. Um, there are so many of these players that are so genuinely funny. I'm talking about in the NHL. Um, I, I'm just thinking about guys. I mean, you guys know from the Lightning, who's probably uh, the funniest guy on the team. But there's always like a handful of really funny guys on the team that are just real, uh, not phonies. And I think of like one of the guys he played for the Rangers for a short time, which he still was a Ranger. Uh, he's on Florida now. Keith Yandel is one of these guys. He's just a funny uh, good guy, but we don't know it. You know, you don't know it nationally. I mean, you know, you see um, certain players that are propped up as so-called funny guys and and uh, creative guys, but I do wish the NHL uh, would do that with, you know, many of their players. Now, we're not going to get, you know, stands-up comedy routines from Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. Those guys are not funny, per se, that we know of. Well, we'll leave that to uh, P.K. Subban. What? What would you say? We'll leave that to P.K. Subban. Yeah, he's the guy that is has mastered the social media and all that with his TikTok videos, uh, uh, which is fine, which is great. But can we have more than PK? Because I know there are more out there. So I think we should have a little competition. I mean, that's what should have happened besides these TikTok videos with their significant others. Should have a little stand-up comedy uh, routine in their respective living rooms. See who is the funniest NHL player. I would have been totally locked into that. Well, we'll have to throw Alex Kalorn into that. Because I don't know if you checked out any of his Doc Talk series that he's done. He, he takes his jet ski around the waterways and the canals in downtown Tampa and pulls up to the, the docks of Steven Stamkos and Ryan McDonough. He's trying to get Tom Brady on the show because Brady is in that area now. He passes by every time. So that's that's one of the things we've seen. Because Alex Corn, you're right, he's one of those guys on Tampa that doesn't get that sort of notoriety for being a funny guy. But he really is, you know, he, well, he's listen, a Harvard if I'm guy. Not and... if I'm, yeah, if I'm not following him already, I'm going to follow him in any of, you know, uh, in any of his social media platforms now that you have said that. Because, yeah, he's the kind of guy right up my alley, besides being a great player, my goodness, uh, on Tampa Bay. By the way, he was on my fantasy team when it suddenly came to a stop also on March 12th, oh. Alex Kalorn. <laughs> I just want to make clear of that. Um, so, you know, um, yeah. I will. That's fantastic. And that's great. And I can't imagine why Brady would want to go on. I mean, you got to make friends with fellow Tampa Bay professional sports t uh, athletes and players on each team. And I think he I think Brady's doing that. I think he has to. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised once we get going here with this 2014 playoff on the, you know, lightning get involved after their round robin thing. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tom Brady um, from his living room, perhaps watching a lightning game. And then yeah. someday maybe watching them in person, I could see him totally embracing it. I mean, he used Dropping to do a that for the at some point if when we get safe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Linda Cohn from ESPN joined us earlier in the week. That was a lot of fun, and uh, we were certainly glad to do it. It's been a uh, tremendous week. It's been a tremendous couple of months bringing you this type of content, noon to one on Lightning Power Play. But e. Uh, it's a shame we um, we are coming to an end, me and you, doing the show together. Not because of performance, but, you know, other things. Yeah, a little bittersweet. Um, you know, it's uh, the the deal that I had with the team is uh, only ran through May, and, and we know how great Jeff Vinnick has been and the ownership has been for the Lightning, and none of the employees have had to take furloughs or pay cuts or anything like that, pay reductions. Uh, so in that aspect, uh, they don't want to add anything either, and that's kind of where I am. So my deal with the team is up uh, for this season at the end of May. We'll see what the future brings. If games get back and we get back to our regular scheduled programming, there's a lot that's uh, in discussion stage for that. But uh, as of right now, uh, this will be my last show, unless if anybody out there listening wants to support the show and uh, bring in some sponsorship, uh, add some ad time to this, we will certainly be willing to take in that into consideration to kind of keep me on the show if that's possible. If anybody is interested in that, they can send me an email. That's eric at lightninginsider.com. Again, that's eric, E-R-I-K, at lightninginsider.com. So if you have interest in maybe sponsoring the show or just 
buying some airtime, some ad time. Uh, we'll take that all into consideration. But uh, if not, uh, Greg, this has been an absolute treat for me. Uh, you have shown me a lot. Steve has shown me a lot during this. Uh, helped me along uh, in this new sort of medium that I'm tackling ever since my newspaper days came to an end uh, a few years back. But um, a lot of fun. I hope that uh, we continue to do it. And maybe down the line we'll, we'll have our own stuff together again. It's uh, some of the best... Uh, time that I get to uh, partake in during the day is to do the one-hour show with you and Steve. It's it's a blast. Uh, I always feel like you and I have good chemistry when we talk about hockey. We're going to continue to do the uh, Lightning Playoff Rewind hits, E, during the intermission report, so that is still... Yeah, you're not getting rid of me of that talk. easy, Greg. Yeah, I can't, and I can still rip on you how old you are and, and where, <laughs> where you are with that, so that'll be fun. And look, the only reason why E is, is not coming back on Monday, and I am, my deal runs to the end of June. So just to give people a little behind the scenes on how things work out, that's just kind of the way it is. And, um, you know, everybody's dealing with it in their own way, and, and we're just trying to get through the best we can. But uh, it has been a blast, E. We'll continue to do what we do whenever that happens again. And uh, we will have Power Lunch in some capacity noon to 1 on Monday for you, so make sure you keep it tuned. We'll continue to have guests and some good hockey talk and uh, try to do the best we can so we get you back uh, in the swing of things come playoff time. But, E, good stuff as always, brother. I've enjoyed it. It's been a blast. We'll continue to do it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, everybody. All right, Eric Rollins in there. Steve Ersnick, thank you for your great work. Have a great weekend, everybody. And don't forget to listen to Lightning Playoff Rewind. Uh, we've got one coming up on Saturday, Game 3, back in 2018, Round 2, Lightning and Bruins. E will join me during the intermission reports. Dave Michigan will be my uh, guest in the pregame. That'll be a lot of fun, and we're going to continue to do that throughout. So make sure you listen to Lightning Power Play in 95.3 WD for that. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday on Lightning Power Play.